welcome to another episode of Vet School Unleashed, Dissecting the DVM, where we dissect topics and issues relating to life in veterinary medicine. I'm your host, Seth Williams, and I'm a veterinary student at the University of Missouri College of Veterinary Medicine. Today on the podcast, we're going to dive into a topic that affects really all of us in veterinary medicine, students and doctors alike, and really anyone in any profession out there. We're talking about wellness and work-life balance. Uh, In my opinion, it's a topic that seems to be a never-ending climb up a mountain uh, to find that perfect combination, but I hope that today we're going to be able to give you some ideas and tools to get you closer to achieving a great work-life balance and a happier, healthier life. And what's super cool is that today we're doing a podcast first for us. We're going to be recording from two different locations from across the country. So let me introduce our very special guests for today's podcast. Joining us from Tufts University right outside Boston, welcome Abby Needleman and Nina Bartling. How's it going? Great. Good. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing great. Um, Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm glad we could make it work with... uh, you guys coming from Tufts. Yeah, a little secret. Abby and I wanted to do our own, so this yeah. actually worked out perfectly. <laughs> right. I, I'm glad that we were able to collaborate on it. Cool. Um, so would you mind just telling us a bit about yourself and, and you know your schooling and background and, and all that? Sure. Um, so I'm Abby. Um, so I'm currently a third year at Tufts. Um, I'm actually from the Boston area. So pretty excited to be able to go to vet school in the same state where I grew up and be close to family and friends. Um, and I'm really interested in zoo medicine. Um, so kind of why I ended up at Tufts. We've got a really awesome wildlife program, a lot of cool teachers interested in talking about that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, I'm Nina. Sorry. I'm kind of recovering from a cold. So my voice is a little raspy. Um, I grew up in Pittsburgh, so I'm a little far from home. I went to undergrad in Ohio, and I left the Midwest, and I came to the East Coast for the first time. I'm more interested in just general small animal medicine. I think I want to specialize, so right now I'm kind of leaning toward emergency and critical care, um, slash, like, other specialties. I have no idea. Um... Yeah, I have a little bit of a different experience than Abby because my family is far away. So that uh, that's definitely something that's pretty different about us. I'm also a third year, and Abby and I met Great. first year, so longtime friends. Awesome. Awesome. Now, what I did not know, and I just learned, is that Tufts Vet School is not actually near Tufts' main campus <laughs> <Yeah>. in Boston. <laughs> right. I think a lot of people come to Tufts maybe thinking that it's going to be a lot closer or when people, you know, hear the, the Tufts name, they'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, how is it living in Boston? <laughs> and coming as someone from Boston, um, I always try to make sure people realize that it's, it's very different living yes. in central Massachusetts. Yes. No um, coffee right. shops that are able to be walked to <laughs> yeah. or public transportation. Late night theater shows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> None of that. Right. <laughs> Cool. So how's, uh, how's vet school been going so far from you? And you guys are right on the cusp of entering in clinics. Yeah, um, we are. How's it been going so far? It's good. I, I think every year they've kind of upped our course load and our workload. So first year felt outrageous and difficult. And really it was, we had so much free time comparatively. Right. Um, second year was good. It got a little more interesting and third year is very clinical, but we are so burned out because Mm-hmm. As of week two of third year, we had exams every Friday, no breaks until this week, which is Thanksgiving, right. um, which was a godsend. <laughs> I think everybody's right. just like relishing in the freedom. Um, but we are definitely feeling some, I guess what you call senioritis, but really like third yearitis. We're yeah. really ready to. Right. And also, right. Nina and I have already had what's called our spay week, where we get to spay two dogs in yeah. one week. On top of the oh, exam wow. of that week. <laughs> and then coming up is our anesthesia week where we do we get to do anesthesia for our partner. But going to be another long, long week. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's like the one thing you look forward to third year. And that has already happened for both of us. So now we just have months to wait until we actually touch another animal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. 
So, well, you only have, what, four months to go until... Yeah, I think it's, what, 90 days really now? Starts. We've got a countdown going. We have a countdown. So. <laughs> Good. I bet you do. Yeah. Yes. Uh, now, do you guys get a winter break or do you guys go straight through? Yeah. We, yeah, we get two weeks off, um, but then since we start clinics in March, we'll just go straight through the summer. Right. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, so the topic at hand today, um, a topic that I think that all of us in vet med kind of or probably struggle with, and we're probably going to struggle with for the rest of our life, but that's okay. Uh, which is like work-life balance and wellness and keeping ourselves, uh, sane to put mm-hmm. it lightly. Right. So, so what are your thoughts on that? Oh, <laughs> we have, we have a few. We, I, Abby and I sort of kind of brainstormed before our podcast. We came up with a few ideas of things we wanted to hit on specifically about Tufts. And we're really curious what you experience and I guess what other vet schools and vet students experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I think my biggest overarching thought right now before we start is that we care so much about wellness. I mean, I guess Abby and I do, I'm sure you do too, because if we don't start now, when do you start? You know, you're not just going to become a doctor and be like, oh, now I need to start thinking about my work-life balance. and, And so that's why we're just like so excited to talk about it and figure it out and all that. So Yeah, and I think, I imagine you would have a little different take on it, not only being at a different school, but, um, you know, you already have a family, so mm-hmm. it'd be cool to kind of hear yeah, the Definitely. different takes on it. Yeah. I guess we could start there. I mean, we kind of briefly talked about Tufts being in Grafton, but I think for me, and I, I know for Abby too, a huge release is just like getting out of campus and leaving Grafton. <laughs> leaving Grafton. Right. And Abby and I both love to go to shows, so we try mm-hmm. and find whatever music is live. If it is a human on a stage with an <laughs> instrument and a mic, we're there. Yeah. And that's like one of our big things. And um, I play ultimate Frisbee once a week. I cool. rock climb. Well, you're a captain of your Frisbee team. Yeah, captain of the Frisbee team. You know, it's, that's a big deal. Yeah. It's a huge Especially deal. Especially on top of third year classes. That's a big commitment. It, it was, like, it was a good, it was a good commitment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so how much time do you find you're able to like get actually get away? Not much. It's definitely I would say it changes on a weekly basis, right? How much time I feel we have that week. So I I definitely more first year I felt like I was living week to week and exam to exam and it wasn't like a healthy mm-hmm. way to be living. Mm-hmm. Um but I would say by third year, definitely. Even though it's still the same schedule, we still have the weekly exams. I feel like Nina and I and a lot of our friends have found ways to kind of, you know, schedule time, schedule our free time. <laughs> schedule our free time. Much. Yeah. I mean, it sounds silly, I but yeah. I think our average week is like Monday nights are usually pretty relaxed. Like that's when people tend to start to study, but that is when I have Frisbee and I know our friend Issa rides horses. Right. Tuesday and Wednesday are usually just like hit the books. I right. I also work as a tech in the ER Tuesday nights, so I tend to start studying on Wednesdays. Um, <laughs> and then weekends, it's like catch up on everything else that you didn't do because you were studying and then maybe do something fun on like one of the days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a pretty average week for a class. Yeah. Um, especially Wednesday, Thursday are just like, you don't even breathe. <laughs> yeah. So. Right. And how does the weekend play into all that? In terms of free time versus studying? Right. Yeah. Friday nights, I do nothing. I usually go home alone and play my ukulele in my bedroom. Yeah. Because I just Got like it. don't even want to interact with people until like 8 p.m. and then I'm ready to go out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, another big comparison to first year is like by Friday, I would just be so wiped out but then it would also feel like I needed to already start kind of studying for the Mm. next exam which is just your brain needs a break (laughs) so now you know recently we've been getting a group together to go to a brewery in town and just do something a little more low-key but you know Mm -hmm. some a little social time worked in there yeah Um, and then I work in the wildlife clinic on campus some weekends so yeah, okay. it's fun, but it's, you know, it's still throwing a little more um, veterinary medicine into my weekend life. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, my tech right. job is like 
partially what keeps me sane because I'm touching animals and administering meds and learning and that's what I want to be doing. I want to be in the clinic. So actually that is a huge part of my wellness as a student right now because I'm not sitting in a Mm -hmm. lecture hall with the lights low and my computer half on PowerPoint, half on internet reading news. (laughs) Right. Which then makes you wonder if our wellness right now is doing veterinary medicine what is our wellness going to be once we're doing veterinary medicine? <laughs> yeah, it will right. have to change. Um, right. But yeah, I guess some other stuff Abby and I were thinking about earlier was um, we were curious what on a university as a whole valuing wellness looked like because we feel at Tufts, it's pretty high on the list right now, especially yeah. in the last five mm-hmm. years, I would say it has shot up to the top of one or two up there with like, school diversity and inclusion and wellness and, you know, just, I I think that's like top three right now for Tufts. And some of the things that Tufts does seem a little surfacey and maybe just to put on paper, but that's every school, I guess you could say. And I think one thing that we really appreciate from Tufts is we have a, what we call wellness week and it's SCAVMA funded. So it, it does get, we get some decent money to have speakers and not just like service puppies that you can come and pet, but like real stuff. Right. And last year, my friend Steph and I put together this panel of Tufts doctors, residents, and alums and literally asked them questions about their wellness and their lives. And it was a, we had a huge attendance. It was great. I, as someone who went to it, like, yeah, I had a great time. People, people loved it. Like it really, I think a lot of people came out for it that wouldn't necessarily come to other events. Right. Is what was different. Right. And we just, Tufts just has stuff like that. And wellness is something that I think if you were to stop any person in the hospital, I'd say like three out of five would just be like, yeah, let's talk about it. And I don't know what that's like in other hospitals or other universities. And I, it's something that I love about Tufts. Yeah. So Seth, maybe Mm -hmm. you could tell us like if that's been a topic at your school, if you guys have talked about that at all. We we have. And and similarly, um, SCAVMA has put on a wellness week uh, every semester. So that's been really great. Um, Well, they'll bring in, uh, we'll bring in a couple speakers We'll do a um, like a yoga night, and then they'll have the uh, the masseuse students come and do like free chair massages, massages, <laughs> excuse me, um, and just to kind of keep it on on the forefront of our minds. Um, so, but I think there's always more to do, right. and I think that from what I've heard that the wellness. Uh, focus has really come into play in the last couple of years at Mizzou. I think more so now that there's a lot more um, kind of uh, negative views on wellness in the media, especially in medicine, you know, in terms of um, the suicide rates and burnout and all of that. So I think they're really wanting to focus on that now. So, so yeah, you know, it's definitely moving in the right direction. Another cool thing that Mizzou has done this year is they've brought in a full-time psychologist to be on staff. Um, so that anyone can go in and talk to him at any time about anything that's going on in their life. And that's really cool. Wow. Is that like not every day, nine to five or what's his? Yeah, he, he is nine to five every day. Uh, we did have one last year that was in like twice a week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they've really seen the value in it and they've hired on a, a, a new um, psychology PhD to be, be on staff in the vet school um, five days a week. Wow. So that's really cool. Do you think people are using it? That's a good question. I really don't know. I haven't heard of a lot of people that have been going to him, but I do see him around the building quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, he sends out emails and, and, and our administration will uh, continue to, uh, you know, encourage us to go see him. So I think it's uh, a learning process in terms of letting the students know that it's an option. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I first met him at the first year orientation this year when I was a second year facilitator and we got to know him a little bit. So it's definitely a new thing at the school. So I think probably next year we'll see a, a huge uptick in, in how many students that he's able to, to see and, and help out. Um, do you all have anything like that 
on campus? Because I know that a couple of schools, uh, I know Minnesota has has a psychologist on staff, and I, I think it may be hopefully becoming a little more commonplace. Yeah, we have um, two, actually, but they're not full-time. Um, mm-hmm. But I believe they're flexible enough that if you really want an appointment and you can't make their set hours, I think they would work around that with you. Right. Um, we have a mm-hmm. male and a female. And I do know a few of our friends that have seen them and also see them regularly, like on a weekly basis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... I'm and not, there, there's also a 24-hour helpline that we can call. Yes, which is also right. nice that they would offer something like that. Um, mm-hmm. What's the like the climate amongst your class like? I mean, do people talk about their wellness? If if let's say if they're doing um, poorly or if they're having a hard time, you know, in terms of just their general well-being or you know they're depressed or burnt out or something like that, is there an open dialogue, you know, is, is, is the, the community in your class a good outlet for people? Would you say? I think it's definitely, our class is a very supportive group overall. We're definitely, our class character is known as being very supportive of each other. Um, we're Mm -hmm. definitely not the more competitive of climates, I think. So we don't, you know, we're not the kind of group that's going to be you know, sharing grades and stuff like that. So I think that makes more of a comfortable area for people to, you know, mention to a friend if they're struggling with some particular subject or even something in their personal life. Um, But I do see in some of the other classes, I think it's a little more competitive. I don't know if they would necessarily feel as comfortable telling, you know, turning to a friend and saying like, wow, I just failed that exam. (laughs) Like, can you help me? Yeah, I actually, that's something I love about our class because while we all have our own small cliques, I obviously feel very comfortable in my own clique to share, like, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling depressed or um, something, you know, this came up and I'm I'm really scared about this exam, things like that. But if there was a large, if I had a very big life change and something bad happened and I just needed help, which has happened in our class, in multiple occasions, our class has come together and like donated money to buy a gift and write cards and like literally come together as a class to be supportive to this one student because of this one thing that happened. And I don't know if that's happened in other classes, but I just feel so if I need, if <clears throat> if I needed support for my whole class, I know that I could get it. Yeah. Um, right. Which is a really good feeling and just makes me feel more comfortable around them. So what are the kind of the the struggles that you you all uh, have seen? In, regarding wellness and, and balance and things like that? Like what are the what are the, the hurdles that are you guys are trying to get over, trying to find solutions to? Um, well, the most recent is a lot of personal family issues that people have been having um, mm-hmm. that either takes them out of the class or for an extended period of time. We have some students dealing with family illness or personal illness. Um, that has been a pretty big factor in the last year, I think, for our class. I think that, and, you know, we even had a student um, who themselves was injured and had to leave the class because things move so fast in vet school that you really need to make a decision at some point whether your wellness is more important than right. keeping up with right. your homework. Um, <laughs> but I think... Overall, tough seems to be pretty good about, you know, giving students like that the time that they need. Um, but I think there have been situations when it hasn't necessarily um, given the extent of support that may have that person may have needed mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if we've lost classmates. I think first year we lost a few classmates that none of us really knew super well just to, like, they realized they weren't ready for vet- for veterinary school, which is totally right. understandable. But coming this late into the year, it seems to be more of like personal issues, Mm -hmm. health, things like that. Less life things. Yeah. I don't think tough students really suffer from, I am a third year student and I am so burnt out, overwhelmed, hard worked that I can't go on. I don't think that is something that tough students suffer from. I don't know. What's it like for you? What's your class like? Well, I think... And, and I was talking on, on my last episode about um, kind of what, are the, what the common stressors are in school. And I think for us, at least in our first year, the main stressor was grades, understandably. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how it works at other schools, but 
um, at Mizzou, there's a relatively um, strict policy in terms of, you know, can you get Ds? Can you get Fs? Um, we actually lost quite a few classmates last year, probably about the the third quarter of the year in like the spring that that um, were essentially kicked out of school because of grades. Oh wow! Um, so, so it was a uh, a pretty hard hit because like like your class, I think that our class is very supportive of each other. We're always you know wanting to help everybody out, and we don't want any we don't want anyone to struggle. Um, and when we find out that someone is struggling it's really hard because we, it's, you know, a lot of times we wish we had known. Some of those people just did not um, either feel comfortable telling people about their struggle um, and so on and so forth. So, so that was a big thing. And, and by the way, the policy is that if you fail one class in any vet school class, um, you, you're ejected from the program. Oh, wow. Um, wow. And if you get a certain number of D credits, um, you are also um, kicked out. So, uh, and I think what's interesting about these different programs, um, is that it sounds like your first year, while you think it's like the worst thing in the world, it, it just kind of compounds in your second and third year in terms of difficulty and time and, and all of that. Um, whereas at Mizzou, I think at least the general consensus right now is that the first year is by far the worst. And once you get through that, um, because because second year becomes more of a clinical based learning and and learning about you know pathologies and things like that, um, it gets a little bit more interesting and you have a lot more time outside of class um, when compared to first year. So, with that being said, the grades thing really is a uh, a huge weight on our shoulders in the first year. Um, so I think when uh, second year comes along, I think it's just the big stressors like burnout, just like like you guys said. Um, so. Um, the, I think the big difference, at least for me, is that I'm going to be getting into clinics in October of next year. So I'm less than a year away. And that is good enough motivation to me to kind of keep going. I I know it sucks and, you know, but I only have what, 11 months left until I can really do what I really want to do, which is like you guys said, touch live animals again and start to help, help animals and do things that I want to do things that I want to do. Uh, which is why I wanted to go to vet school in the first place. Yeah, we can say that we are extremely jealous. Yeah. <laughs> because that would mean we would be in clinics right now. Right. Right. So. Right. And yeah, in our third year, yeah, they just went in. Um, but but it's a trade-off because we actually, and I don't know what your academic schedule is in terms of when you get out of school for the summer. We actually go until the end of June um, to make up for going to clinics early. So it's a trade-off, but it's it's one that I am more than willing to take to have more or rather less break time to get to clinics right. earlier. So So do you guys have the most class time during your first year or the the classes are just harder? I think the classes are just harder um at least well I guess it depends on on who you ask, but for me the classes were much more difficult um because we're taking like all the anatomy obviously, right. all the physiology and then all the normal animal um classes. Um, and it was just the load. It was just so much to learn. And, you know, it was just like, you know, we were studying so darn much and, you know, harder than I've ever studied in my entire life. And I'm still not, you know, getting the grades that I would expect to, to get. But but I'm passing and, and that's perfectly fine with me, you know, and I'm learning and, and that's great. Um, whereas now it's like, let's learn how to fix broken things. And that's what I really like doing. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why I'm really excited to, you know, get into clinics and actually put my hands on on these concepts and, and do it. Yeah, I, I um, think Tufts, um, their rationale for keeping a set of clinics for so long is that they want your fourth year to be as little competition as possible with other students. And mm-hmm. if we were to go into the hospitals right now, it would just be crowded. And right. I think this is not something that they haven't thought about before. They've thought about getting students into clinics earlier. And I've talked with um, some of the more higher up people about it. Just I'm just curious. I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. arguing with that. Right. But basically they're like, we just don't want you to be crowded. There's nowhere to put you right now. And Got it. starting March of 2017, I would say 80% of the fourth year students will be outside of the campus. And they're going to be doing their own um, externships, uh, electives, vacations, things like that, because there's a Mm -hmm. big chunk at the end of 
clinics for stuff like that. And so that clears right. up the hospital for us. And so instead of having third and fourth years in the hospital, it's just one class, which I get it, but I wish that it was a little more integrated. Like maybe we could do a part-time thing. I, I don't know. I, I really, I wish it was earlier. Right. And I mean, I kind of hate to bring in this comparison, but thinking about grades and clinics time, my brother's in medical school. So, mm-hmm. you know, we were just talking over Thanksgiving um, and it, the simple difference of the fact that they do not have grades Ugh, and yeah. they have longer clinics time, partially because they're only, you know, they only have to have class time just to cover one species, but mm-hmm. also having that extra clinics time, they can have, you know, a three month rotation on one topic and really spend a lot of time on that one topic, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And obviously I don't know if, we would have the time or caseload for that. So I don't know really why that doesn't end up being a reality in vet med. Yeah. That's an interesting point because I feel like in some scenarios or in some areas of medicine, I think that vet school or rather veterinary medicine is like always one step behind human Mm, medicine and we eventually catch up, but it's like human side is onto the next thing. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of, you know, like, how many years do you spend in clinics? How many years do you spend in didactics? Um, like you said, the grades thing, which again, on this podcast I did last week about uh, the comparison of med school versus vet school, I was like blown away that it was pass fail. I was like, can you imagine not having that stress of like, mm-hmm. I need to get an A because I want to get an internship or want to get a residency yeah, or right. I just want to pass. You know, Well, and it's not and, that they're any less competent for it. Like I'm sure they're right. all Correct. working very hard and they get to feel like their own reward instead of being an adult and still having to feel rewarded by getting an A. Yeah, I, it feels right. childish. It it kind of, I mean, you already said it's a huge stress on your shoulders, but I, I feel like it's even deeper than that. I feel like it's more than just like, oh my gosh, I don't want to fail. It's like, it, it does bring us back to this childish, oh, I won an A. What did you get? Oh, I got an A minus. And then right. it's like, oh, I'm right. better than you. And it's just another way to compare ourselves to each other and put each other down. And it's, I'm not saying that people do that, but to an extent you do, you kind of do it subconsciously and it, well, I think it's human nature. Yeah, exactly. It, uh, a little, little bit, especially for the kind of people that are going to be right. Going into medicine, <laughs> the type A's. Right. <laughs> and right. I, it's something that I remember my first year roommate really struggled with because she was out of school for a couple of years. She was teaching and then she came back into school and she's like, Oh my God, God, I forgot what it was like to compare grades. And she was so stressed about like comparing herself. And it took up so much of her brain power. And it, it just made me sad because I was like, I mean, I'm struggling with the same thing, but we should be worrying about other things. Right. We should be concerned with like, am I learning this in the right way? And am I happy outside of this? And is this what I'm really passionate about? You don't even have time to think about if this is what you really want to do because you're just trying to survive. You're just trying right. to get the, get the best grade possible. And it's, it's frustrating. I came from an undergraduate that was very focused on, I mean, it was not pass fail, but the mm-hmm. style of teaching and the style of exams was so focused on actually learning it and not just spinning it back out. And I loved it. And I, we would be in an immunology class and I would remember details from my junior year immunology class at Denison. And, and it's just because of the way it was taught. And I was just, Mm -hmm. I was like, how could we integrate this into veterinary medicine? It almost seems impossible because of the load of information. I just could not construct another way to learn or teach the material because it's there's so much right well and also I think I know it tough like we talk a lot about um having like you, you know just your grades are not necessarily gonna say how good of a vet you're gonna be so right. yeah emphasizing that yeah and you know Tufts definitely they say that to us and I do feel like they believe that because obviously just knowing the material doesn't make you a good vet. You not only have to know how to apply it clinically, but also be able to communicate with people. So I think that almost adds to the fact that having those grades 
they're not they're, they're not useless. a reflection of how good of a vet you are. Right. They're just a reflection of how well you did on that exam. So, you know, That's a good it point. just kind of adds to the fact that they don't really seem relevant anymore at this point in graduate school. Right. And I would imagine that's all going to really become clear when we get to clinics is that you're going to see these people that you know are really, really, I mean, we're all brilliant in, in, in some fashion because um, we're in vet school, you know, I mean, not to pat ourselves on the back, but back when we got here. Um, well, yeah, and aside on that concept, because someone told me about it, I think a few weeks ago that, you know, we're all really, really smart because we're all in vet school and we're all, we are all worthy of being here, but half of us are going to be the lower half of the class. Right. That doesn't mean that we're dumb or not worthy. So anyways, that was an interesting mm-hmm. point. Um, but what I was saying about going to clinics, I think it's all going to change because the people that we knew that were, you know, the straight A students that we were maybe jealous of or envious of, they may not be great in the clinic. And when we get to the clinic, I, you know, our grades going to matter, you know, probably not, not, not the grade you got in anatomy or, but just really how, good you are at doing those things, uh, you know, the, the, the tasks at hand. So I think it's going to change as we get to these different stages in our education, especially when we're out and, and doctors, you know, you're not going to be working with your associate and saying, how'd you do in pharmacology? <laughs> right. you know? Hey, uh, don't ask me that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm in that right now. Let's, let's not go there. Um, well, and also in veterinary yeah. medicine, we kind of have the uncertainty where, um, Unlike in human medicine, like we don't have to do anything after vet school besides just go into practice. Like mm-hmm. you can just get C's and then go into practice and be a fantastic veterinarian. And right. literally no one in your life after that will know that you got C's or will care. Whereas you may have classmates that are interested in doing residency. And so to them, they still feel that pressure. But right. so they may be sitting there like struggling in a way that you aren't yourself struggling. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's pretty unique to veterinary medicine because we, we don't have really a set system for what people do after graduation. There's so many right. options. Yeah. I mean, we could even go into that as a topic <laughs> of wellness and stress. And, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just thinking about. You know, we've just, we're 30 or so we've just started thinking about like, are we applying to internships? Like, mm-hmm. do we have the grades for, what do we compare it to? There's, it's not like applying to college where you can look up the average grade that gets into this particular <laughs> internship because yeah. they've only taken four students in the past, you know? Right. Like right now, just like, well, just like you said, veterinary medicine is like, that's what energizes me. And like, even though school sometimes sucks, um, which I'm fine admitting because it's it's not supposed to be a walk in the park, but I, I love what I'm learning every day. And I love that I'm in veterinary school and that I've made it this far and that I'm going to become a veterinarian in a couple of years. Um, one of my big fears is that the stress and the workload and, and everything on top of it is going to make it so that my career is not what I love anymore. Mm. Um, and I, and that, that I guess could bring us back somewhat full circle is that how do we, you know, keep it exciting and keep it so that it is what we love to do. And I don't know, that's, I know that's a deep thought, but, um, (laughs) you know, I don't know. I think it, I think it's realistic and I think it's, I think it's happening out there. That's why you may see people that, you know, quit the profession and, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I've thought about that too. And, you know, when, um, my friend Steph and I were interviewing for this wellness panel, this was something that came up a lot because well, what we did was we met with each individual panelist for about an hour, like over lunch or something, and just asked them about their lives. And a very mm-hmm. common theme was, well, I started out in GP and then I wasn't happy. So I did a residency and now I'm, and then I was doing shelter med, but then I decided to move. And so I got a job in an emergency room and like veterinarians, I think because our field is, it's different than a human medical field. And so like we can kind of jump around and, and do our thing and find what makes us happy. And so it's like, clearly none of us are doctors right now, but um, from what they say, what I've heard personally is just like, if you're not happy, you have the power to change it. And you, even within the veterinary field, you can find what you're still passionate about and it's possible 
to just change your course. You're not stuck, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and what I loved that I, I'm going to like let stick with me forever is one of our professors was, she has a couple kids, I think like three or four kids and she's married and she's like, you know, I could be home more often. I could be at more sports games. I, I could make more dinners, but she's like, you know what? I want to do the profession that I'm passionate in and I want my kids to see me live my life to like my full potential and fulfill myself as much mm-hmm. as I can because that's who I am. And even if I'm not home as often as I would like, it that's more important to me. And right. I think that's a huge thing in veterinary science as people fulfill mm-hmm. themselves in this career. Whereas I feel like a lot of other careers, you're fulfilled outside of it and then you go to work. And... I think we're so lucky for that reason. Definitely thinking about that gets me through kind of, you know, we're living out our 20s sitting in the classroom while, (laughs) you know, we've got a lot of friends that are, you know, they're going to their job every day that's not fun and not exciting, just like our day is. But then they're rewarded by having money and, you know, free time and moving forward with their lives and stuff, but... But like you're saying, like, the end goal we know is going to be a lot more filled with passion and the day, like, our job, our day job will be what we're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, like, I truly believe that um, our our line of work, if you will, is not really work. I think it's a lifestyle because um, I, I don't look at this as, like, a job, let alone a career. I think it's just this is going to be my life and... um you know, I, I, uh, cause I, well, I haven't told you two about this, but like, you know, I want to, um, own a practice relatively soon after graduating. So I, that whole business aspect, which was actually my previous career, which we can get a whole <laughs> another topic into, but, um, cause I'm, I am a little bit older. Um, that's gonna, uh, I think add a whole nother element just cause I love the business aspect, but I love medicine and we can do all of that. Um, but I think what makes us really unique, uh, is that, you know, this is not, a job for us. Like we can't just, I mean, we don't want to go home and forget about what we do. Right. Um, and I think that makes it like, like what you, you were saying, Nina, about, you know, wanting to be passionate about all aspects of, about this, that, you know, I worry that I'm going to work too much, but I think that it, it may be okay because I want to do mm-hmm. it and I want to be around this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as you make that balance of, you know, what needs to happen in your personal life and making sure your family's happy and, and stable, then, then you've, you've found the perfect balance. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because this is not a new conversation, but I think it's important for other veterinary students to hear and remember, and, like remind themselves why they applied and why they, they're suffering. Yeah. Sometimes I just like, right. I'll have a breakdown and my girlfriend will be like, Hey, remember what you tell me all the time about like why you're doing this yourself? And I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> Okay, and I, I can I can study again. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, which kind of and I had a thought too about you know because there there were points last year and definitely this year that you know you get to that point where you're like why the heck did I sign up for this like this yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Um, so if there, maybe if there's a way for our programs to like bring in even for like an hour something that can re-energize us. Like yeah. I know that last year we took a, a neuroscience course, which was the first course that we had taken where we actually saw a live animal again. Mm-hmm. And it was just like two labs, like over the course of the semester where we actually, they brought in these neuro dogs and we got to, you know, do like, you know, a neuro exam on them, which we really didn't have any idea what we were doing, but at least we got to try some, some things, but we got to like see again, why we wanted to be doing this. And it just kind of was like, Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I want to be here. Um, so I, I, yeah. You know, and I think going to clinics, it's going to, that's not going to matter anymore because then you're actually doing it. Mm-hmm. But at least in these these lecture years, you know, if there's a way that they can bring in um, a case or, you know, instead of just talking about it on a PowerPoint, but, you know, having us re-literally get back to, you know, and touching the feelings that we had before we got to school and to remind us, I think that could do a world of difference in terms of uh, our general wellness and our spirit. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good point. I We have... So a very common theme among our professors is 
we will get through an entire unit of material. And then the last two lectures before the exam are just cases. And mm -hmm. it is really cool because these are real cases and we see the pictures of the dogs. But then after about eight minutes, you're drooling in your seat because we are literally just like going over lab data that it's just numbers on the screen. And then they're like, I just don't think it's engaging. And what mm -hmm. frustrates me is like, this is such great data for us. And something I've thought about is like, sometimes we'll have 10 cases in one lecture and maybe as a class or as a, in the hour, we'll get through like three of them. And then these seven other lectures, I mean, cases are just sitting there untouched and nobody goes back to them because we're not being tested on it. And, you know, something we could do is like, usually I hate group projects, but in this case, I think dividing up the cases and like handing them out um, piece by piece to groups of people and having a group of students for an hour just work together on this one case and solve it together is like, would even just be so much time, time so much better spent or something like that. Like right. that engaging thing that's maybe just an hour a week that makes us actually talk to each other and think through it instead of it just being spoon fed to us which is not a way to learn, especially if it's a case. Right. And I think we tried that, you yeah. know, first year we had um, a PBL course once a week, mm -hmm. um, problem-based learning. So that was a couple hours a week. I think I, my own issue with it was that I think it was a little too early to throw that in because we didn't <laughs> yeah. know what we were looking at. But the concept behind it the is concept similar. concept is there. Yeah. You know, it gets, it gets your brain working. It gets you working on social skills if you need work on there. Like, yeah. It really can pull in all aspects of veterinary medicine. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes me think about, like, Cornell, how people, you know, they're whispering about, like, oh, they're mostly PBL-based now and blah, blah, blah. But, like, why don't we interact more between veterinary schools and discuss, like, hey, this is really working for us. You should try it. Or, like, yeah. hey, this we tried this, and it really didn't work. And right. I feel like constantly I'll, I'll be like, wow, I wonder – Usually, I feel like if it's there's an issue I'm having with tests, I'll be like, I wonder if it's like this at other vet schools. Yeah. But even with good things, I'm like, I wonder if we should share this with other vet schools. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't realize that you at Mizzou had a wellness week as well. I thought that was a tough yeah, thing. Yeah, I did too. I had no idea. Right. So. And right. with your the dogs that they brought in for your neuro lab, we have dogs, but they're all healthy. So, like, do <laughs> other schools have their own dogs? <laughs> like we have it yeah and or even like yeah, i think in, in in the case of this lab they were dogs that were owned by the clinicians or by the nurses in that department so because you know naturally they were all they're all going to have you know neuro dogs at home right. so they just brought in their dogs so these were not to my knowledge they were not uh patients of the hospital right they were just really good examples and owned by by the clinicians so maybe we can encourage that where you know if you've got a you're in a cardio class and You've got the cardiologist, you know, chances are they've got some uh, some animal at home that's got a cardiology problem. Bring it in and, and mm -hmm. let us, you know, listen to them. Or, um, we did have a, you know, we had like a cardio that. lab like that, actually. Yeah. We had cool. um, professors, dogs and stuff. I was just, I don't know, I we have, what, 25 healthy research, be retired research beagles that we just use for, like, mm -hmm. let's do a physical exam or let's do a neuro exam. And that that's pretty right. engaging. And yeah. I think we've appreciated mm -hmm. it more as third years because we do a little bit more interesting stuff. Right. So another thing that I've heard of too, is that some schools are incorporating clinics, at least to some extent in their first and second years, yeah. um, which I have mixed feelings about. I think it's really cool that they get to be in the hospital that early. Um, I think it's great because they get this experience, this hands-on experience that we're talking about now that, that, you know, at least at Mizzou, we don't really get a whole lot of that until our third year. Um, the downside, I think, to going to clinics that early is that you may not have the knowledge base to know, uh, truly really to understand what you need to be understanding, mm -hmm, right. um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so it's an interesting way of doing things, and I, and I wonder if there's a way to find a happy medium. Um, Do you – so at Tufts we have – they call it selective. So on Tuesday afternoons we have the afternoon off the first two years to do pretty much any sort of internship or hands-on or – any way you want to get some experience. Do you guys have anything like that to kind of keep you engaged in the community the first couple of years? Um, not so much the community. I think if, if you have time to go and shadow or do some type of 
internship type of, you know, thing at a, at an area clinic, then, you know, more power to you. Um, we do have a couple of like job opportunities on campus where, you know, you can be in, um, what we call the after hours clinic where you are essentially just like you need a, um, an after hours, uh, technician in the, in the ER or in the ICU rather the small animal ICU. Um, you could be in your second year, um, an on-call, uh, equine assistant more or less, um, where if there's a, an overload of cases overnight, they'll call you in and you can admi- administer meds and take vials and all, all that. So there are ways to get back into the clinic and, and, and around, um, you know, live animals. Um, but uh, we do not have like a designated time, which I think is great. Um, we, we do have one thing on Fridays, which has been cool, which is a pathology gross rounds where our pathology teacher will, uh, you know, just say, come on over. Let's look at some dead stuff. Yeah. Tess does that too. Not to be crude, but um, I haven't taken advantage, but (laughs) yeah, same. Um, so, so yeah, I think that, you know, you've got some professors that are willing to do that, um, and, and because they know that it enriches our education. Um, but I really love that you guys have a chance to actually, you have time set aside yeah. to do that. It's required. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, we have well. to fulfill so many credits. Yeah. So. But that's an, I mean, that's Got an it. example of something that, you know, now, yeah. Like now that we've had this conversation, right. you could go to your curriculum board and suggest something like that, you know? Right. And right. Just Another thing too, that I thought of during our conversation is like, um, why not have one day a month and everyone would kind of be split up so that it's not overloaded, but one day a month where the first and second and third years in your case would actually go shadow a fourth year student in the clinic just to like see what it's like. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to be around it just to kind of see, you know, this is what you're looking forward to and yeah. this is what you're working towards. We actually do that um, too. <laughs> Um, oh, well. Well, yeah, sort of. Just like, oh, so in second year we have, I think it's like three three days or two days that are devoted to, um, you can pick between doing an ER shift or um, you could even go on ambulatory. I had a farm rotation, which was kind of random, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. fun. Um, but yeah, I think even doing more of those would be beneficial mm-hmm. and um, more with more of like a guide, a guided side to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were good. I, my emergency rotation. So basically throughout the year I had five hours in the ER, a couple hours in the animal wards, and then a half day in the wildlife clinic. And it was spread throughout second year. And Mm -hmm. my ER shift was the day we got back from winter break. And I was like, oh, I really want to do this, but like the timing's awkward or whatever. But I did it and I, I just like loved it. And that's kind of how I ended up with my ER job because I like asked mm-hmm. around and I think our class in general was really happy with them, but yeah, a little more guided and like maybe a couple more would be beneficial. But again, it's like time and coordination and right. You know, space, that. space, space. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now do you guys have clubs like, um, extracurricular clubs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have a lot of clubs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think probably most, if not all, vet schools do. And I think that's a good way to kind of, uh, you know, keep you sane, if you will. Again, too, just getting getting back into getting back into what you love. So yeah. and that, that's what I, I love clubs for. Like, you know, I do equine club and emergency critical care and, you know, a few others. Um, that just kind of brings thing bring things back home for me in terms oh, of, yeah, you know. for sure re-energizing so that that's a I think that's a good outlet um for any vet student yeah yeah I I'm just gonna throw a little plug here for diversity (laughs) council um so a few of our classmates and I were kind of like the sole runners of this diversity council that was passed down to us from the upper class and above us that started it two years ago and Mm -hmm. kind of just going back to how Tufts is pretty focused on wellness um our dean was very involved in our club and because it's so young, um, she wanted to get it, you know, up and running before it kind of crashed and burned. Um, and we are now a campus wide council where we have a board of professor, like teachers, clinicians, staff, um, students from each year. And we meet on a monthly basis and just kind of like, 
plan activities and we're going to plan a survey, um, things like that. And that's another way that our campus has been so supportive of us, like being a little Mm -hmm. experimental with our clubs and, um, and our events and everything. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, totally. Abby told a story. Cool. <laughs> I did one last year. She was a huge. It fan. was awesome. It was great to because a lot of the staff come to it too. There's a lot of staff that are actually very involved with coming to the events like that. Um, I've even gone to potlucks at professors' homes that they hosted for certain clubs. Wow. Um, so that's you know obviously it's not all the staff, but you definitely will see similar faces over and over. So that's really cool way to kind of see a little peek into their life and you get to mm-hmm. see you know what their outside interests are like a little right fun anecdote about their past life when they were young in our age mm-hmm. yeah i feel mm-hmm. like our cool people are pretty open and yeah all right so so that'll wrap it up for this part one or what has become part one, which is great. Um, so thank you so much to Abby and Nina um, calling in or Skyping in from Tufts University uh, in Massachusetts. Um, it's been great. Really, thank you so much. Yeah, Nabega, thank you to you. We, we've been talking about doing this for a long time, and we would not have gotten around to doing it on our own yeah, at all. Yeah, so this is awesome, and we also love to talk, so yes. <laughs> Good. Well, yeah, so again, we, we'll, we'll definitely do this again. Um, yeah, it's been great. So, so thank you, and and um, I will, I'll probably talk to you well before this, but you're you're heading to clinics in March, so you've almost made it. Almost Good there. job. <laughs> Thanks, Seth. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. So once more, I want to say a huge thank you to Nina and Abby for joining us today and sharing their insight, uh, experiences, and point of view on wellness and work-life balance in vet school. And thank you so much for listening to the Vet School Unleashed podcast. If you feel so inclined, please do leave us a review on iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. And for more resources and more information about the podcast, you can check us out online at www.vetschoolunleashed.com or find us on Twitter or Facebook. Also, feel free to reach out to me via Twitter or email at seth at vetschoolunleashed.com with any suggestions or topics that you'd like to hear us talk about. Uh, Please even reach out to me if you'd like to be on the podcast yourself and share some insights of your own. So thanks again, and we will talk to you next time on Vet School Unleashed, Dissecting the DVM.